Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. And for the first time in the history of the podcast, we don't have a title sponsor. That's the first time in five years that's been the case. So we are wide open. Would love your help. If you're interested in helping out with that, email me, please, at chrislee70 at gmail.com. Obviously, it takes time and money to pull these off, so we're always looking for help. And if you could offer that, we'd be appreciative. Our news is presented by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in any type of accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200, see what your rights are, and if they can help. Javier Vaz has committed to Vanderbilt baseball. He's a middle infielder from LSU Eunice. He had a 509 on base percentage in his last full season there. Good one for the Commodores. Maybe a little bit of Tony Kemp to his game there. We'll wait and see about that. Our guest line presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowling Branch sheets were until I got them. They are fair trade certified, meaning they're made under safe conditions by men and women, treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That's spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us, as he does each week, from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. How are you, sir? Where is that son of a? He owes me money. <laughs> <laughs> what up, Chris? Chris Lee in the house, man. Let me tell you, dude. I just got home a little while ago. I had, oh, Chris. I had the best oxtail and Jamaican rice and beans with cabbage that you have ever had in your life today, man. I'm still reeling from it. I think I'll pass. I think you're nuts. Why would you? You don't think that oxtail is actually ox, do you? (laughs) Well, now I guess I know. Let me tell you something. It is not ox, and it is absolutely fall off the bone delicious and one of the greatest meals you could possibly eat. Next time you're in the six, next time that you're in the 731, you come down here away, I'm taking you to the Jamaican African cuisine. And it'll change your life, Chris. It's that good. I put a picture of it up on Facebook today on my Facebook page. You guys can check it out. It is otherworldly, Chris. Otherworldly. That good. I would never steer you wrong when it comes to food. That's not my thing. I don't dislike it. I'd give it a try if you insisted that's good. No, I've had Jamaican before. We... We've been to Jamaica twice, so I'm not unfamiliar with the cuisine. And we had a cafe up here had a couple of them I want to say it was like the Lucayan cafe or something that's not it but it's something like that and it was okay but it wasn't um oh. no that's not it I think that was the name of one of the dishes if you said the name of the place I would know it I think there was one in Green Hills and maybe one in Franklin but I mean it was okay but it just wasn't my thing 
you up when you come to town. My man Joseph is from Jamaica and <laughs> life changing, sir. Life changing. And I expect, by the way, somehow when you go ahead and you uh when when you uh when when you make the title for this podcast, I cast I expect the word oxtail to be in there somewhere. All right. That don't mean it's going to happen, but you know, (laughs) your odds are better right now than ever. Seems fair. (laughs) He said, if we stop talking, we stop doing the podcast right now. You got a good shot. (laughs) Speaking of, of, yeah, just another dandy day on the beat here. I was thinking this week, if there's not a football season this fall, and they do all three at once in the spring, that being the three that I cover, football, men's basketball, baseball. You're in my shoes. How do you handle that? Uh, I just hit the unemployment line. <laughs> well, it may come to that, but. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you, I don't have to wonder what that's like. I do this. I do it for a living too. I, I talk sports every night, and well, two hours a week. Yes, but let me day, let me stop you there, okay? Because it's it's a little That's different when me. you're covering a team, and like you know how we cover all three of those beats, right? We're there for most of the games. We're watching the ones, you know, especially football and basketball. If we're not there, we're watching on TV. Other other than maybe one of those throwaway games between Christmas and New Year's, where you know, I'm on vacation at my in-laws or something, and they're going to win by 40, so who cares, right? And baseball's different because they play maybe 70 games a year, and I can't do all those. But we do most of the big ones and a lot of the ones that aren't big. But think about this from my standpoint, okay? You're going to have games running simultaneously. I mean, I could have a weekend where I have football and basketball on Saturday and baseball on Saturday, and also baseball Friday and Sunday. Now, this is being completely speculative, right? I'm not, I don't have any knowledge of this, and who's to say that they can't change up the game dates a little bit to spread these things out, but I'm just thinking, what am I going to do with all that stuff to cover at once when we try to cover as much of it as we can? Now, the obvious is going to be, hiring some freelance help, which I've already thought about doing and, and even talked to one person about doing. But it's going to be a real challenge. Oh, there, there's no question about it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how you, you, you're you focusing on all uh, on all of it. It's it, And, and I, I've been thinking about that myself. You know, we're about to go from a period – uh, think about this for a second, Chris. This is something else that I thought about. We're about to go from a period sports talk because uh, look, and, and sports coverage and sports talk. Like for me, I've been almost four months now covering doing a two-hour nightly sports show without sports, and you're about to go from nothing to potentially everything all at once at the exact same time. You know, and it, it's 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 going to go from where do you go to in, information overload. I, I'm I'm very interested to see how all this plays out, man. Uh, and as as far as you and how you handle that, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's on territory for everybody. Okay, let me throw this at you. Okay, I'm just going to make up a hypothetical, and I want to see how you would handle this. Let's say that uh, is, that 
the schedule comes out this way. Let's say that there's a weekend where I've got, let's say Vanderbilt's got a baseball series with LSU. And maybe it's the eighth or ninth weekend of the year or 10th, and whoever wins that series is probably going to be SEC champion, right? So it's a big one. It's a monster series. Yeah, both teams are in the hunt for a national seed. That kind of thing. You got Kumar Rocker going in one of maybe his last home weekend or something like that, or one of his last home weekends, and lighter in the same boat. I mean, it's something everybody wants to see, right? Yeah. Let's say that you've got basketball going on at the same time at the Saturday game, and it's Kentucky in Memorial Gym. And let's say that somewhere, well, they, they wouldn't do all this, but, and let's say, you got a football game with like South Carolina in the middle of it. We got to make a choice. I can only cover one of the three. Which do you cover? Because football is the one that everybody's most interested in. But let's say they're two and eight at that point of the season, and it's you know it's you know how those get late in the year. And let's say they're a little better in basketball than people expect. And you know Kentucky's always a big game. But then you got something where there's a lot riding on that. Okay, how do you do that if you're me? If you're you, taking how you feel about anything out of the equation? Yes. Am I doing that? Okay. Now let me ask you a question because you didn't really uh, preface this part. What's on the line in the basketball game? How good are both of these teams? Kentucky is Kentucky, and Vanderbilt is maybe a little sneaky good, and if things break right down the stretch, they might sneak into the NIT. Okay, so now what we're asking is for for board interest. You know what 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 would what would be the the main focus and who are we play in South Carolina and in and, and football? Yeah, I was just trying to pick a run of the mill football game because football usually trumps everything. But let's say again they're they're bad and it's just kind of a it's not Tennessee or something like that where people are going to watch just because of who it is. Uh, and, and South Carolina is also a game that, like, if they play well, maybe they win that one. So it's not like you play in Georgia and you're going to get beat by 30, right? So I was right. deliberate with my choice of teams there. All right. I feel like I'm playing, like, I'll, I'll, I'll G-rate it up and kiss, Mary kill here. Is what I feel like I'm playing. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. How am I going to drum up the most uh, attention? What is going to get the most you you know, I, hmm, I still, uh, well, I don't, man, look, my first inclination, my gut, they always say that your gut reaction and your first, your reaction is usually the correct one. I don't know if that's the case here because my first one is still football. My I think there's a lot of people who think like that. I agree. I, I yeah. think th- I'm not surprised that you said that. Well, and I'm taking how I feel about out of it, and I'm taking out how I know that you feel about about it out of it, and I'm just going by what I think maybe the board reaction might be. Here's why it's not baseball, because regardless of what happens in that series, Vanderbilt is still going to be probably a regional host, a real shot to win the SEC tournament, um, a very likely super regional team, and who's going to be surprised if they're in Omaha, especially with that rotation. 
Uh, it's certainly going to pique everybody's interest. It's a, probably easily the biggest college baseball series uh, of, of, the, of that weekend and maybe the biggest one in the conference and maybe the biggest one in the country, who knows, all year long. But there is definitely something coming up after that. Uh, from the basketball side of things, who wants to be, who do we want to beat more than anybody not named Tennessee? It's clearly Kentucky. No question about it. Um, but, you know, the thing about football is, is I mean it gives uh, it gives you probably more opportunity as that fan base to belly ache and man do we like to do that you know and we certainly have a lot of reasons to do that um, from a popularity standpoint maybe not for this university but from a sport itself uh, look I mean all three of those series featured matchups with other SEC teams and this is still the Southeastern Conference and it's the king is still football you know it, can I say that at this school maybe probably not it, I'll, I'll say this uh, here's what I would say to you if we could magically if some kind of genie could magically grant us the opportunity as as a fan base to be great at one thing in those three sports, I feel comfortable in saying that it would be football. We know what it is to be national champs in baseball. We love it. It's awesome. No question about it. And we've had some really, really good basketball teams. But when have we ever been great in football? I mean, great. I'm not talking about 19-0 this. I'm talking about great to the point where, and not just for one or two years that we're looking the Georgias in the eye, but to the point where we're the CBS game of the week because God, we're the matchup, oh, man. Can you imagine Saturday, man, Auburn and Vanderhouse? I still submit to you that if you were to be able to maximize each one of those sports to go as far as you possibly could, I just don't think that anything would be able to equal uh, a, a successful, a, a supremely successful Vanderbilt football program, the kind that's playing for national championships. I just think that's going to trump everything else. I could be wrong. I don't know that for sure, but that's the way I see it. I kind of heard you say in there, I'm going to take some license with your words. Championships are so been there and done that for baseball that they don't even move the needle for you anymore. It's not, not, not that. No, no, no. It's not that they don't move <laughs> the needle. I'm taking some I, license, I, but I, it, it was funny how you right. answered that. Well, it's just, I mean, it's something I've experienced before. You know, I know what it tastes like. It's awesome. It's great. It's wonderful. But if I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to be truthful with you, if I could compare it to winning the national championship in football, it, comparing to winning the national championship in football, you're correct. It wouldn't move the needle. But it certainly does because we have. And I would, I mean, trust me when I tell you, anybody that was around me would tell you I acted a certified monkey. I acted a complete fool. They called me a circus because I was at this, because I was clowning, baby. I had a large time both times. Don't, don't get that twisted. But, I, you know, think about that, Chris. Think about Vanderbilt and football being better than Alabama and Clemson and LSU and Ohio State and Florida and everybody. And you're the best team in all of America in college football in the place where it matters the most. You can't even you can't even let yourself allow yourself to go there, okay? Because it's just so far fetched and so removed from reality. But what if it was reality? 
Well, I'll tell you two stories, and I think I've shared both these on the podcast before. So if I have, I do apologize. But, you know, in this Vandy Sports 100 thing I'm doing, one of the things I try to do is go back and pick out a video of each of the players that we are honoring that's got some good highlights from their career. Now, sometimes I can't find a great one, and I just have to settle for some MLB scouting video of a guy you know, hitting in a in a cage for two minutes if it's baseball, or maybe if it's an offensive lineman, there's nothing. I have to run the team highlight film. But, you know, 90% of the time, I'm able to come up with the fairly relevant video. And I remember going back on some of these kids that played in the 2011 to 13 range, or even the 2008 bowl team in like that Auburn game. I know Myron Lewis was one that had some video from that game. And I'll I'll be honest with you. What I saw then was so foreign compared to what I've seen the last two or three years, and especially last year. I'd almost forgotten that it happened like that. Yeah, I mean the the fans being engaged, having the majority in the stadium, being just lit and everything. I mean, it was it was a really good atmosphere. I don't know people say Vanderbilt it's small and everything. Well, yeah, it was, but the fans and attendants were engaged and excited, and it got pretty loud for the size of that stadium, and it was fun. And no, was it electric like Auburn and Alabama? Of course not. But for what Vanderbilt fans are used to, you know, being remotely relevant for a change is a big deal and the fans were engaged and excited and it just I watched that as like holy cow I did not remember it being like it was it was I saw a picture of uh, of a game that I was at that you were at the what was it Chris what was the final score in the game 41 to 18 I think it was you know the uh, Tennessee back in 2012. game yeah, back in 2012, where the guy standing uh, right next to me uh, was, uh, he was about a 450-pound moron uh, decked out in orange and white checkerboard, and he had a shower curtain uh, wrapped all the way around him with a gold pole. He was supposed to be a, t- a shower for some reason. I, 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 he could have used one, uh, but that's how he was decked out. And I remember a Vanderbilt punch, fan punching him and making him fly about three rows down. Unfortunately, he landed on a, an older lady uh, and, and, and messed her up a little bit. But uh, the, the 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 whole scene in the in the stadium, and I know you were in the press box, and Chris, that's why I got out of there to be able to come down there and and remember what that. That was like, and yeah, you tend to forget that those things uh, happened there. Uh, What I would say to you is the difference, you know, before that and then where we're at now is I think that maybe the fan base, you you tell me if I'm wrong, maybe the fan base uh, before that thought, well, we don't have that because we just can't. We're too small and, and a million different excuses as to why we couldn't have it, whereas now, the feeling more is we can't have that because Vanderbilt doesn't want it. Oh, I think, I I think you've hit it. I I don't know that I ever really, I don't know that I ever really felt that way until now. And, and and I'm hopeful that change is in the air and I don't know if it is or not. We'll see. But I, I, to me, that's the difference. And I don't know if I'm right about that. That's just the way I perceive it. 
Well, I'll go back to the Georgia game, right? It's the first of the year, and everybody knows Georgia's probably going to win that game. I think they're a 17-point favorite or whatever it was. But people are always excited for an opening game, right? I think that was the tell. Because in the past, Vanderbilt fans can always kind of talk themselves into getting up for anything. And maybe some of it was Georgia fans were paying crazy prices for tickets and the, the fees for those have been jacked up. So maybe that was part of it too. But it just feels like that's the difference. That before it was kind of like, well, we got the deck stacked against us. You know, if you're a fan thinking that. And all those things, you know, the well, little engine that could, or you know, David trying to beat Goliath, and now everybody knows it's the school. I mean, not that they could just go to bowl games every year and compete for titles. I mean, that might be tough, but now I think the secret's out. Everybody knows that so much of this is self-inflicted, and I think that it is a lot of it. You know, but what's weird? You you, you know, it's really weird. You you mentioned that Georgia game. Do you remember the game that was played there be- in that stadium before that? The game yeah, before that, that at that, that stadium. That's that's a good point. Um, and maybe maybe it's it the, was the tickets. It's the Tennessee game that got them bowl eligible. Yeah, man. I know, and that was yeah, that uh, was a good crowd. Uh, maybe maybe it was and, the ticket and, and prices. Vanderbilt fans but, were going crazy as they watched Tennessee fans leave early. You know, and then the very next game is that Georgia game, and you're like, what happened in between those two games? Yeah, I I don't know. I I think. I mean, it's definitely had an effect, right? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that may be yeah, the dumbest you know, question I, I, I've I, ever asked, but... No, it hadn't had an effect at all, Chris. It's everything's the status quo. <laughs> I think that, you know, well, I think, I, here's what I'm hoping. I, I am hoping uh, that uh, with, with, with um, now that, Zeppos is out and, and Deermeyer's in that, that that there'll be a shift in, 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 in athletic philosophy. Is that going to happen? I don't know. I, I have no idea. The dude got here yesterday. <laughs> so I, I really have no idea. But if I'm going to put hope in something, I guess it has to be that. You know, I, I don't know what else I put it in. You know, I'm hopeful that you know under his direction that there's an emphasis. And by the way, there there doesn't have to be a de-emphasis on academics because you emphasize athletics. It, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You know, we I, I, we we posted a story the other day at my radio station about us carrying a certain uh, a couple of uh, high school football teams games this year. Uh, they're new to our station and put it on Facebook and, and this one lady starts commenting and she's just infuriated about how we're focusing on chasing a ball and not, you know, and, and not academics. Well, who said it was one or the other, you know, and last time I checked, you know, Oxford, uh, the great Oxford, uh, they row, they compete in athletics. I mean, look at all the top-notch universities around the world. They have athletic programs. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And I'm hoping that uh, that Deermeyer and and some of the others realize that. And and there's a a shift. I mean, we keep getting we keep getting promises. We keep getting told we don't know what we're talking about. And sit back and just wait. It's going to happen. Okay. Well, we have sat back. We have waited. So now it's time to happen. You're not going to guilt a Vanderbilt fan into wanting better for the athletic side of the university as much as some people try to do that and make you feel stupid because you're actually asking for the bare minimum 
minimum because you, you're not in the net. I mean, if there's any that has the right to bitch, excuse my language, it's this one. Have you been watching those pay-per-view lab experiments that they're showing at different colleges all over the uh, country during this pandemic? Well, I'll just kind of put it like this, Chris. If you were a gambling man and you were gambling on whether I had seen those, uh, I think you'd put your money on no and you'd win. No, I, I have not. I've not even heard of that. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, this point, this point in there. <laughs> there's a there's a not so subtle point in there. Um, I got. I get it now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm surprised it took you that long, but. You know, no, back from, to you know, I'm from Memphis. Forgive me. <laughs> right, back to Zeppos and Deermeyer for a moment. Far be it for me to defend Nick Zeppos, right? But the further I get from it, I don't think he was anti-sports. I just think he had the spine of a jellyfish. Well, and I think it's <laughs> I think it's Kirkland Hall. I've been saying that for a while. I think it's those people that. They control it, and it's the culture at the school. And the thing with Deermeyer, it's just going to be just how much guts or will does he have to stand up to it. I don't think the guy's anti-sports. I think he spent a lot of time with coaches and ADs and stuff like that. I mean, I've heard that multiple places, but I'm like, okay, fine. You know, if people want to get their hopes up with that, then, then go right ahead, but I'm just giving you the warning flag on that because be careful because you're probably going to get those dashed again. Well, I mean, and you may very well, but I mean, you had, I mean, they have to have hope in something, you know, otherwise what are we doing? Oh, I, people want to have hope. I mean, that's fine. I've just seen this so many times, you know, I'm thinking back to, I think I had a sense in the back of my head around last November that the thing with Turner wasn't going to work because it was getting really quiet for whatever reason, because I mean the, the summer and the fall, my texts, the phone calls I got were, you know, I, Malcolm said this and I talked to so-and-so who said this and it was like, everything was on the table. Right. And if you want to go back and grab a copy of Blue Ribbon, the magazine that I write for, the basketball magazine in the summer, I could find you the quote where I asked Jerry Stackhouse about Malcolm, and he said, you know, Malcolm was hired to see what this place could be. Well, and all the rumors were about everything is on the table. I heard that more than once from more than one place, and we're just going to see what the options are, new football field, refurbished, you know, new gym for basketball if we decide that's what's the most feasible option. I mean, everything was on the table, right? Everything was on the table. And then I guess it was the fall he started getting sideways with Wente and those folks in Kirkland. And then all that chatter just got really quiet. And the phone calls I was making was like was like people weren't hearing anything, and I got a little closer to it, and nobody would say anything. And I remember this is the day that I think I knew that it had gone horribly wrong. 
I had said something on our board because there just wasn't much to talk about. I said I had recently heard this about them looking at a new baseball field because they're going to move everything around. They're trying to work everything within a particular footprint. And that I found out later that was definitely true, that the approach was, okay, we've got this footprint of land that we can work with. And within that, let's look at the options. You know, if we can't do stuff with football where we have it, we could move that over here. We could move baseball over here if we needed to for whatever the reasons would have been. And again, Memorial Gym was on the table at one point. I don't know how serious that ever got. But the point was, let's take what we have in terms of the land and the money we're being allowed to raise and see if we can maximize that, we being the athletic department. So... I think I caught some rumors and some discussion that had been a couple of weeks in the rearview mirror. And I just said on the board one day, look, here's some things I've heard are possible. This isn't me reporting. This is just me just kind of telling you what I'm hearing. I got a call that day from somebody at Vanderbilt. And this is nothing against the person that called me. This person was just doing a job that this person had been told to do. But that got quashed really quickly. Like, none of this is going to happen. I was like, really? So what is going to happen? And the answer I got was just the typical vague answer that you always get. We'll release that at the appropriate time. That kind of thing, right? That, that, that we always hear. Um, And that's when I knew something had gone wrong. I think this was maybe right before Christmas or right after uh, but it, you know, it went quickly from this is all on the table to, um, we're not going to tell you anything. I think I've lost you. You ain't lost me. I'm, I'm letting you go. Yeah. <laughs> And then it le- and then it leaves and it leaves us there on the board like okay so here we are we're waiting for uh, the next shoe to drop and then invariably nothing happens so it, it's kind of why and it's just an insight as to why we don't trust we don't just automatically accept it when we hear this you know the something is coming at the appropriate time because I mean we've just been conditioned to expect that that's not actually going to happen so uh, I, I think Vanderbilt has to understand that, you know, these words are just empty to us now. We have to see something tangible. And even the, the thing that I think that bugs people the most is it, it's the stuff that we're talking about right now is the smallest of things, like the locker room. These, these are nice and they're significant, but those are the smaller end issues. And we can't even get that. You know, and I, I hear you, COVID-19. I, I, I'm, I'm quite aware. I'm quite aware. Believe me, I've heard of it before. Uh, but even something as 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 I don't want to call that minor. It's not minor, but uh, that on on that scale uh, becomes an issue. What would make me ever believe that the major issues would ever get dealt with? Yeah, they went from uh, eight hundred million dollars is what we need. Now let's kind of shoot for something like that to they haven't spent a dime on much of anything. I mean, I think the, the only improvements they've made was stuff that Turner did and just took the bull by the horns. Um, yeah. And I think, 
I think that you got what, what sucks is look because as you as you mentioned, they've made a lot of of, of major donors mad and uh, and they're sitting back saying, "I'm not doing anything until you do something," and then they're saying, "We can't do anything without your help." And so it's like we're waiting for somebody to make the first move, and nobody wants to do it. Well, don't blame the donors. Blame Vanderbilt because that's inability blame, to communicate a plan. Me. Yeah. That's inability to communicate a plan that anybody thinks will move the needle. That's all that is. Yeah. I mean, no, if that sounded like I was blaming the donors, that's not what I meant at all. I mean, some may, some may say differently, but that's what I've heard from a lot of them. Okay. I want to ask you another thing. This sort of ties into that. Okay. Ask away. This week was the one-year anniversary of the baseball championship. <laughs> what What are the best things that have happened with Vanderbilt sports in the last year since that happened? In the last year, the best thing in Vanderbilt sports since winning the championship. Well, we didn't have a baseball season, so that doesn't count. Uh, you know what? I guess I would have to say because the football season didn't exactly work out. Uh, I mean, because we were so hyped up, we had the big three coming back. We're going to do some stuff. Um, well, I guess what I would say would be because the pickings are slim. Uh, I would say Keyshawn Vaughn being drafted in the third round. Uh, it is it, it, pretty significant. I would also say, uh, and look, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything, but you're 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 forcing them to exactly stop. Um, say, I really appreciated the fight that Jerry Stackhouse's team played with down the stretch last couple of games of the regular season. Uh, I, I, I thought they fought hard, man. I mean, clearly they were outgunned in some cases. But, you know, they beat a couple of teams who really needed to win some basketball games right at the end of the year. And they looked them right in the eye and, and sat there in the middle of the ring. And and, and even though the, the numbers aren't there, they, they were swinging and playing hard for their coach. And I'm not going to confuse it with a really good basketball team, but I loved the effort down the stretch by, by Jerry Stackhouse and his basketball team. I did. I'm sorry. I just did. I think there's really only three answers. I think if you want to go baseball, I mean, they didn't really accomplish anything, right? I guess you could say that, you got a glimpse at a potentially really, really, really special group of freshman arms. So sure. if you want to kind of, sure. it, it didn't, it didn't amount to anything because I mean they're playing Evansville and teams like that. But you got a glimpse into a future that looks pretty good. Uh, so Agreed. I think that's one. The other, I would say, and this might have been the biggest moment of the year, but and I hate to be the dead horse, but it, it, it kind of part of the significance of it was for what it meant. And that was that losing streak going away when they beat LSU in basketball. Yeah, I mean, and that, but that goes back to what I was just talking I, about. I know, and that's that's the wall that we keep running. And, and in football, the Missouri game was was pretty exciting. It was a pretty big moment at the time, but it's like, well, what did it really mean? So it's been a brutal year for that fan base, man. It, it has, has been, it has been excruciating. 
Chris, I hear you, and yes, it has, but if you can't find any joy in the victories when you get them, then you're wasting your time what you're doing. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. But, but you have, but you have to. T- you can't just gloss over them and say, "Yeah, that's great," but it doesn't really mean anything. You 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 have to take them when you can get them because it's 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 it's, it's, it's you got to start somewhere. You have to, and and things like wrecking that 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 terrible streak, the worst in SEC history uh, for 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 men's basketball. Uh, they did it though, Chris. They did it. A, a ragtag bunch of guys that nobody gave any shot of. They and what they do? What they score, Chris? What was that? Ninety-nine points, something like that. I think a team, and if I remember correctly, they scored. What was it, Chris? They either scored forty points more than their average, or 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 uh, LSU surrendered forty points more than what they were giving up per game. It was one of those two. Uh, because it was fun to watch a team who nobody gave a shot in a game like that uh, to do that. And then to go out and beat South Carolina. Who was the other team, Chris, that they beat down the stretch? Was it Ole Miss? They beat Alabama on the road, and that's when Saban Alabama, Lee went Alabama, off. That, and that's, that's the right. other part is the way Saban played was fun to watch. Look, I'm not I'm not invalidating because, look, I was there for the LSU game. That was genuinely fun to watch. Uh, and it was kind of neat to see kids get rid of that. Thing. And the Missouri game was fun in its own right because you had the Mo Hassan story and Missouri was ranked at the time. I'm not saying that because, yeah, those were moments to revel in if you're a fan. I'm just saying you just couldn't ignore the backdrop and you can't remove that from anything we talk about. That's my point. No, we're not removing, but we're inundated with the backdrop, dude. I mean, right. we know all about that. That's all we get all the time. No, I know. But that's my point. If, if if you just can be because we'll definitely uh, accentuate all of that. But if we, if that's the only place that we can live, I can't I can't handle that. I, I can't I can't live only there. It's not being an eternal optimist. It's not me uh, having black and gold glasses. It's making sure that when we get and I'm not satisfied and you clearly know that, Chris, and I'm not saying that, but we have you have to be able to still get the joy out of it. Even if it's brief, when we get those, you have to be able to, after watching games like Missouri and the LSU basketball game, you still have to walk. You have to be able to walk away from that saying, you know, heck yeah, that was awesome. You know, that, that was fun. I want to see that again. I want more of that, you know, and we do, we want more of that, but you've got to be able to appreciate that just as much as you got to be disgusted by the things you, you hate seeing. Yeah. I guess my my point was it's just been a it's been a rough year for everybody. I mean, this has not been fun been to cover. It's not been fun yeah. to podcast about, <laughs> and it certainly had been fun for the fans <laughs> and the players. And you know, the the one I I just remember I'm yeah, thinking back like how a year ago after the baseball season was over, it kind of felt like they were on the dawn of some big stuff. Because they had all this permission to do this and that and exploring this and that, and they just won a title, and nobody knew football was going to be as bad as it was. And basketball, at least you had a coaching change. And, boy, you just look back at a year later and say, there just wasn't much to be happy about. Well, it, it wasn't, you know. But, you know, I mean, this stuff works – in cycles, sometimes these cycles are too long, especially when they're bad. Uh, but this stuff works in cycles. Look, I mean, we we've been through this before. I think you think about the Wake Forest game several years ago when you said to yourself, Chris, it can't get any worse than this. Vanderbilt football is doomed. We ended up having some pretty good times after that, didn't we? 
know. Yeah, but they they had a level of commitment. You got no buts. There's there's not a but. You have to be able to appreciate those things. You just do. I mean, you you just do. There's no other way around it. I mean, yes, it's not. It's very difficult for us to ever envision being able to see that stabilized. Uh, until there's a full commitment from this university, you know, and if that's ever coming, I don't know. But man, I mean, it, it's those moments that allow us to dream about this, to 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 hope for something better, you know. I mean, we got to have those things. And and I remember a time. Look, I grew up a fan. I've been a fan, fan as long as you have. And I can remember for the first. You know, from the time I was 10 to about the time I was 30, there was never anything ever to be, not at all. Three wins was a decent season for that program. And there was never anything to ever get excited about, ever. They did nothing. Every now and then we'd have a good player, but we never had good teams. And we could never, ever win clutch games. And never was there ever a thought of beating Tennessee, Ole Miss, Georgia, and Florida in the same season, much less beating any of them once in any season. Uh, and then beating them like that. You know, I mean, the thought of going to three straight bowl games was an impossibility for us, yet it happened. You know, I, I just, I mean, I, I know, I know philosophically you and I look at it differently, but I just have to be able to to get as much pleasure out of those things as I do much disgust out of the things that bother me. Okay, I think the reason you and I view it differently is I, I'm always taking a, okay, so what next? What does this mean, right? Right. And that's part of my job as a writer. I'm like, you look at it, and if it's something big, like a championship, then you stay in that moment. But if it's otherwise pretty mundane – or if it's getting really bad and it's hit bottom, I'm always going, okay, what does this mean? What is what is coming next? That's just how I look at it. And the difference, and, and I, I cannot state this enough, okay? I'm sitting there at the Wake game in 2010, I guess it was, and there's not 200 people left in that stadium when it's over. They're just getting throttled by a bad Wake Forest team. And Robbie right. Caldwell's been fired early in the day, and they they were bad that year. I mean, that 2010 team had. I've thought about this. I I don't know who the team would be, but if I had to name the worst team that I have covered, it might be 2010 football. Okay. Mm. So yeah. so I've sat there in the in the bowels of sports hell many a time, and <laughs> that was. That was about as bad as it got. I I will never forget that year. Uh, that, that when when Vanderbilt football is bad enough that it sits up and makes you ta- take notice more than normal. That's how you know it's a bad year, right? But the difference then, and the difference now is I remember this clearly as day. Is I'm sitting down there because the game had been over for a while, and they let you go onto the field with a few minutes left if you choose. And so I took the press elevator and went down to the field just to see what that was like as everybody came off the field. And it's cold, and it's dark, and it's cloudy, and you know everybody just wants to get out of there. I remember as clear as day, I'm sitting there under that goalpost on the close-in zone before the players are coming my way, and John Ingram looks me in the eye and says, we're going to get this one right, meaning the hire. And they did. They did. 
and nobody is saying things with that kind of conviction about anything over there now. And that's the difference. You know, oh, well, so, well let's, let's get it right again. Let's do it. <laughs> it's not about you and I. I guess that's probably might be the most maddening thing for you and for the bases that it is. It's, it's, it's totally out of our hands. It's not like other schools. The other schools in this conference will have such an uprising uh, that it makes a difference. And those universities, those state-ran universities, uh, they care what their fan base thinks. They listen to their voice. You know, uh, and it's not about the numbers of voices because our fan base could triple and the things they say, uh, I, I don't know that they would have that much of a, a significant difference because unfortunately we got a place that even, I won't say mocks, but basically half the time barely listens to the significant donors. You know, so if they're not going to listen to them, they're surely not listening to you and me. You know, what are you going to, and what leverage do we have, Chris? Threaten to not show up? <laughs> I mean, we, we, we're playing without leverage. That's tough. Yeah. Now, yeah, they have not cared for years now about you unless you're one of the 30 yeah. multimillionaires right. and billionaires. I've heard that from people. Uh, that's Now, I, I do think the chancellor, the new chancellor, is trying to hit that head on. They got that's rid right. of and the head of – I don't care about them either, so yeah. that's fine with me. Well, they got rid of the head of development, which I don't think was accidental. And you've seen that in the narratives of things that he said a few times is things along those lines about, oh, I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing. But it seems like they kind of know now that people don't feel valued and there's that next level of donors that doesn't feel appreciated. And, and their alumni giving rate is garbage. So I think that's a thing that I hear from him that I'm going, okay, I think that they're aware of that uh, and they'll probably address that, which will only help them. I mean, it, it's just more money in their coffers. You know, people like you and, and people listening, they're just Joe football fans. I don't know that they'll ever care about those guys. But, you know, new day, new chancellor in town, maybe he will prove me wrong. Which is what I said 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and I agree with that. I, I, I agree with, because, because I have to. I mean, I. I don't have anything else to hang my hopes on, you know? I mean, it it has to be something like that because, look, there's people with a bunch of commas in their bank account that they don't, you know, that they don't mind offending or mind letting them know that, yeah, we appreciate it to an extent. So, I mean, I, I have nothing to offer them in that sense. They're, they're, they're not going to – it's going to have to be a fundamental philosophical shift uh, at the top. And, again, by the way, I wish I could find some way to convey to them that a fundamental shift does not mean uh, abandoning, your ac ab abandoning your academics. It's it not, it not even remotely close. You know, and then you sprinkle in the fact that we've got some craziness going on right now on campus uh, once again – and it's here we are all over again, you know, <laughs> and so it, it, it sucks because we're just conditioned uh, to ex expect the worst and fan bases shouldn't have to go through this. Well, at least ours shouldn't. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a lot of time getting into that story. I've sort of sat one, that one out for a bunch of reasons. Um, 
The, the main one being, and you know me, I don't shy away from difficult topics and things like that, but the, the truth in some of those situations is sometimes awfully hard to get at. A, and B, I'm a one-man guy. I don't have an editor. I don't have a lawyer. And I'm just risking a whole lot more than I'm gaining by going there on a lot of that. Yeah, and I get it. And, and what, you know, it like, sucks for me because think about it like this. You know what I'd like to talk about today, and we can't even do it. Can't I'll say this. It. I don't know if you read the article. Adam Sparks did a really good job on that piece today, an, an outstanding job. I mean, I, I could just tell in reading that story how much research and, and detail he had done. I noticed it was not a quote from the AD, which I doubt was accidental. Um, I'm sure he asked. I don't know. But I, I did find the part about um, they can't control who comes to Pro Day pretty comical. Well, if they can, I don't know who could. I mean, I, I, I don't understand that that statement. But, you know, that's, that's a whole level of craziness unto itself. And uh, I, I, I can't believe the situation and the way things are unfolding. It, it's uh, it's shameful, shameful, and, and it, it's just a black hate it for for all involved. And yeah, you can absolutely keep somebody away from a pro day. It probably shouldn't be that difficult, to be honest with you. But uh, that that's the stance they've taken. But, you know what I would like to have focused on the fact is like think about it like this: uh, Derek Mason just got two commitments that won't move the needle on, on anybody, you know, national radar. But here's what I would have told you. Take a look at those two commitments for a second. I'm not talking about who all offered, even though both of them had multiple power five uh, offers. I want you to think about something for a second, Chris, both of those players, first of all, on the offensive line side of things, you know, with, with, with the Gage Pickford, uh, Gage Pittsford uh, t- uh, commitment. Gage is a big, tall, physical offensive lineman, the kind that you need to really establish your running game. Dylan, uh, uh, what is it, Dylan Betts Pauly, I think it is, uh, the, the running back from Hoover, which, I mean, I love getting Hoover players, good grief. I love getting players from big time programs. Uh, it's at least an opportunity, heads up powerful physical run. He's not going to leave anybody behind. He's not a four, three guy, but a big bruising running type. And then I look, you know, look at the, uh, the first offensive lineman that they signed. Uh, these are two big mauling physical offensive linemen and a powerful back. Remember, we keep talking about, we're going to spread some things out under Fitch uh, and you can still have a powerful running game when you spread things out. You certainly can, but I find it very interesting uh, how power oriented they seem to be going uh, on the offensive side of the ball with some of their players. You know, not not some not not the, these first two linemen aren't a couple of guys who you know are taller that maybe they can get in and hit the weight program and and fill out a physical frame. No, they're big and physical right now. You know, and 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 it, it just it screams to me. We want to be physical at the line of scrimmage. We feel like we have been getting dominated at the point of attack, and we're kind of tired of that. You you can couple that with the defensive tackle commit, Tyrion Sergic. He's a bowling ball. Uh, I mean, and, and so to me, the message has clearly been so far with this class, uh, especially around the trenches, we want, we're tired of getting moved around. 
We're tired of getting moved off the football on both sides of the football, and we're going to do something about it by the people that we bring into this program. My friend, I got a text. I'm going to take a phone call here in a minute that should be interesting. But um, with that, let's go to the mailbag because we haven't done that yet. Oh, okay. Today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell him you heard about it here. Mr. Vandy says, what was your impression of the Peyton Daniels commitment? Yeah, I, I like it. I, I, you know, uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of film on the guy, um, to, to, to be honest with you. Now, one thing that I would say is that, you know, and I, and I think that the, the, uh, the approach is going to shift going forward here. But one thing, it sounds to me like uh, the Jerry Stackhouse first and foremost wanted to make sure that he had his backcourt stabilized. I mean, I, I feel like that's been the focus for the most part, recruiting effort-wise, uh, early on in, in his career. And again, it's going to be time to start uh, uh, going after uh, some of the more experienced post players out there. But uh, I haven't seen a whole lot about Peyton, you know, in regards of film. I've seen some. Uh, one, the, the film that I have seen, uh, he he looked like a he, he looked like a, a fast, uh, quick, twitchy guard with a, a pretty nice shot, by the way. Um, some of the some of the defensive play that I saw was less than stellar. You know, it wasn't like overly uh, up in your grill, checking you, uh, trying to get after and get the ball. Uh, I saw him get blown by a couple of times, but it's it's a highlight film, Chris. So I mean, you know, I mean, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and and take a look at him, but at least from an offensive standpoint, he looked pretty good. Well, that summer ball, they don't exactly put a premium on on defense. I thought it was well, what I saw was not. I, I don't think it was a summer game. I thought it was an high school game uh, between two regular team high, high school. Gotcha. Yeah, I thought I mean, it was. But, there's there's a few films out there uh, on yeah. him. So yeah, yeah. I, I think what I saw was a high school game because yeah, you're completely right. Look, I would never judge anything I saw uh, in, in AAU and summer league basketball. I mean, that's you know that's not what they're there for. They're not there to play defense. So. And I and I certainly understand that. So you know, I don't know. I just it, it's it's another solid piece to the backcourt. Now it's time to work on the front. Yeah, they've got a guard situation that I think could reasonably be um, pretty good for them. Like I've said, they they have lived in that seventy-five to one hundred and fifty range in recruiting, and to see them getting back in there again, I think, is a good step. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. I mean, that's you know, there is believe me, you 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 can you can win basketball games in that area. Yeah, you, there, there there's no question about it. And you know, I, I think as long as they can stay there, you know, the, you know, seventy five to one fifty is not project players. It's not. You know, they're they're they're, they're good players who, uh, you know, maybe have, need a little bit more developing, and they're not quite on the level of the the top 50 in the country, but you, you can certainly make your living with, with, with players like that. No doubt. And Arbor door says, Chris, are you hearing that we'll run more of a four, three defense next year? And if I answer yes, he asks you, do you expect a learning curve with this change 
or are there enough 4-3 sets that this isn't a big deal? My answer to that is yes. That's what I believe to be true. I haven't asked. I don't know that they would have told me straight up anyway. I think they'd prefer to keep that a mystery, but the sense I get is the answer to that is yes. And so with that, where are you going to go with your answer? Well, I just think that, I, you know, for me, it – there, yeah, there might be a learning curve. Uh, you know, now one thing I'll say is some of the cats that they're counting on, uh, or at least we think they might be counting on as well, uh, might be new, might be new, to, or, or new to this program. Period. So uh, one way or the other, there'll be a little bit of a learning curve. But there's plenty of experience coming back, even if there's a a a a, a shift from the three four to the to the four three. I just think, and may, and this is not a cop out answer. I promise it's not. Uh, I just think that just based on sheer talent alone, yeah, there might be some, you know, schematic learning curves, but I just think on the sheer improvement on talent alone, that this defensive line should be significantly better than it was depth wise and overall play wise. Don't you? Oh yeah. I mean, we've said this before, just you look at the talent and where they're getting the kids, they have to be better on the defensive line and they've got some, Kids like Tid and Birchmeyer who played a lot of snaps and played at a decent level. If they're not a lot improved on the defensive line, I'll be really surprised. Yeah, them two with uh, Rutger and 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 Davion Davis. Uh, yeah, I mean Darion Davis, and uh, you know I just you know you throw in Derek Green and Malik Langham. I just I'll just say this on paper, on paper, and I get we don't play on paper. I think there's more reason to be excited about the defensive line unit than there's been in a long time. So Dio in there and, and there's just personnel wise reason to be excited about it, which is weird because I'm not used to that on that, at that position at this school. Never, almost never. SR Kane says based on nothing but gut feeling, anything you may have heard who will start the most football games at quarterback in 2020. Man, I mean, the logical answer is Ken Seals. With the, I mean, as brief experience as it was, it was good. You know, I keep hearing bring, people bring up his name. Now, I don't know of any substance to it, but I keep hearing people talk about Danny Clark. You know, I, yeah, but Clark could make it Kentucky. And I mean, that was the situation where they ended up with Lynn Bowden at quarterback last year. So, I don't Which know. Wasn't I, all that bad. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But you you get my point. Bowden had been playing receiver before that, so he had. But uh, at the same time, I mean, the way he took that position, you know, and I know a lot of it that was his feet too. But I mean, <laughs> Lynn Bowden would have been by far the best quarterback on that team if he. If his crime, at least, at least one of them right now is that he's not better, it's not a better quarterback than Lynn Bowden, that doesn't mean he can't be the quarterback of this team. No, my point was it appears that there had been opportunity to compete for a job there because if you're in a point where you're playing a receiver at quarterback, then your depth there isn't probably that great. Right. And you know, hey, there, there is something to the change of address. Sometimes, now you don't, you can't rely on that clearly. 
but it is a real thing, you know? So yeah, it's always something that I mean, sometimes change of address ends up being Cam Newton and sometimes it's Tim Olmstead. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Olmstead. Now was that, was that, that was Florida, right? Didn't we get somebody from Arizona? Both were Florida. Yeah, and Richard Kovalchek was the next one I was thinking Kovalchek, about. Well, a better one would be yeah, Stephen Richard Rivers. Kovalchek. So, Oh, don't you go there with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Richard Kovalchek. I had forgotten about that. Wasn't he a decently recruited quarterback out of high school? He was a four-star when he went to Arizona. I liked that kid, too. I got to know him a little bit. He never amounted to anything at Vandy, but I always liked him. Right. You know, I mean, look, expect, look, here's one thing. When it comes to quarterbacks, I have learned maybe almost as much as any other position, especially when you sign multiple quarterbacks, I know the, the natural instinct is to fall in love with that high-rated prospect. But man, <laughs> you just that particular position, you just never know. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee, and you know this is true. Who was it that he came in with? Was it David Corral with Jay Cutler? Yes. Okay. If I if if, if we were betting on Vegas odds, which one of those two would become the starting quarterback at Vanderbilt? How many people do you think would have picked Jay Cutler? Well, it depends on when you ask, because if you had been there at an open practice they had when the freshman got there and you watched those two standing side by side, there was no comparison. Okay, how about this? On signing day, if I ask the que- same question, and I, and I preface by saying on signing day, you know, that's all I'm saying, because look, other than a few reps, uh, between one or two of them, we haven't seen any of these guys. And I hadn't even mentioned Mike Wright. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so I don't know. Look, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're coming in with a freshman quarterback, or at least bare minimum, a quarterback who's never been a starter on this team ever. You know, and I guess, well, has Danny Clark ever started, period? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't right know, rightly know the answer to that. I don't think so, but I, I don't, I, I'm not going to speak in certainties in, in regard to that. Cause I don't know that for sure. Well, look, it's, it's a situation where they had a kid in seals who came to spring practice, looked better than I thought he was going to look honestly, just because freshmen are usually going to struggle a little bit. He had the job sort of by default because Musa was the only other kid in camp and he was kind of hurt. But I don't say that to disparage the kid. I mean, he didn't do anything to, quote-unquote, lose the job. And now you're headed into a fall with all kinds of questions and all sorts of new things, and you need something to hang your hat on in terms of what you know and where you think you can be confident in kid. I'm not saying that Ken Seals could lose that job, but I think if Seals plays at the level that he played at in the spring – it's going to take a really, really, really good fall camp from one of those new kids uh, because you got a guy that's already, I hate to say the word entrenched after so few practices, but he's more entrenched than anybody, right? 
You got all kinds sure. of changes. You got kids that are used to catching balls from him. Somebody's going to have to come in unless Ken plays at a lesser level than he did and somebody else really blows you away. I just think that job is going to be not impossible, but hard to wrestle away from him. But it's sure. I, I tell you one thing, Chris, I don't look at this. I look at this quarterback race a little bit differently than when we had the uh, who, now who all were they, Chris? Again, I'm going back in time. Uh, when David Wallace came in from CPA, was that the same time that Justin Perky came in? I know there was a couple of quarterbacks that were freshmen all at the same time. Maybe it was Benji Walker. I don't remember who all. Yeah, was. it was Perky and Wallace, and I think uh, who was the kid that had the game at Mississippi State and then never played again? Hi Lewis, I think was on that team. Am I getting my years mixed up? Hi Lewis, uh, from Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. Through uh, a couple of pick sixes and never saw the light of day again. I think I think I think that's right. I think they initially started with Hi Lewis, if I, if I remember correctly. You know, and I, but I don't I don't see it that way this time. I, I I see this group this group as a more talented group. You know, I, to me, the, the quarterbacks that they've brought in, you know, the, the four that they brought across the board are far more talented, potentially wise, potential wise, uh, than that group was. Yeah, I could buy that, especially with Mike Wright. But let me throw one more thing at you that had not occurred to me till we're doing this. Okay. okay, you've only got so many reps to go around in fall camp, right? Sure, of course. When you come in. And you've already got a guy that took a lot of the snaps in spring and another guy behind him and Musa that took more. And you're wanting to see what Clark and Wright can both do. You got to give them time, right? I think so. Is it actually harder to take that job away from Ken Seals with more candidates and fewer? Because you might not get one person that can take enough snaps unless he just blows everybody out of the water right away to get the critical mass of of good practice reps to take that job away. In other words, right. like if it's just Wright coming in and maybe not Clark too, let's say it's two or three quarterbacks and you know one of them's a walk-on, then all of a sudden those guys get more reps and more of a chance. But if you're splitting reps and trying to give everybody a chance, does that actually work more in Ken Seals' favor of keeping the job, if that makes sense? Well, I could. I mean, well, of course, yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, I mean, and that's sort of the way to look at it. And that's where you gotta, that's where you gotta trust your evaluators, your your, your coaches, and in, in, in the reps, and you talk to your receivers and and and, and your offensive linemen, and and you just and you hammer it. Look, they know they've got their work cut out for them because no matter what, they're getting a a brand new starter, first time start. That that's that's the case no matter what. So they already have that working against them. Uh, but secondly, you're right with the limited amount of reps and four guys who – and by the way, I think – now, now, look, if, if full disclosure, I have one in particular that I want to win the job, but at the end of the day, the main thing I care about is his, is the best quarterback uh, who has the, the, the ability to lead this team better than any of the three. That's who I want to win the job. Ultimately, there is somebody that I'm pulling for. Uh, I, I will, I will, I will, uh, I, I will admit to that. Um, but here's what I would say: 
doesn't it seem to you, and I know he was hurt, but doesn't it seem to you that we're completely discounting Musa? That that it would almost be bad if he won, you know, but we we don't know. <laughs> I mean, he might be better than all three of the other ones. But it just seems to me like if look, if 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 I if I had to project a pecking order that I felt like the fan base felt about this quarterback position right now, I would think that it would go something along the lines of this. Seals at the top, Musa at the bottom, and a flip-flop between Clark and Wright. Just because we just don't know and haven't had a chance to see him right. Do you feel the same or I'm off on that? Oh, I'm going to reserve judgment on Musa a little bit. I'll tell you what I remember seeing. And this was over, like, what, two practices where Seals was getting more of the reps? Because Musa wasn't 100%, right? He had a, I think he had a brace on his right knee and was clearly not moving full speed. I thought that Musa had just a stronger arm in terms of raw talent. I thought that Seals was more accurate. But um, that, that's all I've got. Who knows what happens if he's healthier and maybe can plan a little better, got a little more confidence, a little further removed from that injury. I mean, I don't know what to expect from him. All I can tell you is what I saw. And what I saw was not a fair point of reference for him, I don't think, because, like I said, he wasn't 100%. Right. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to see, you know, and and, and none of those guys look inept to me, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. My man, we're going to have to tie this off. I got to run. Yeah, you need to shut your CB radio off there, whatever you're doing. Down, that's Woodbine Racetrack. Thank you very much. Oh. I'm standing next to the box. He's got a three five seven exacto box you need to be pulling for. Well, I don't have to ask you what you're doing tonight, but before you go, tell Not people me. where they can find your show and where they can find your Twitter handle online, please. My Twitter handle online is, is uh, at Cheap Seats Bass, and you can find me at 101.5 FM in Jackson, Tennessee, Monday through Friday, and online at WNWS.com, my friend. Be good and don't go broke. I'm not betting. My friend is. I'm just watching sure, him bet. Sure, sure you are. Oh, well, let me tell you something. If I had some, uh, if I had put some cheese in the old Twin Spires account, believe me, you'd be the first person to know it. Well, thank you. I'm honored. <laughs> you should be. Have a great night, my friend. Anchor down, fellas. Be good. All right. He's Seabass of WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. I'm Chris Lee, the host of the Vandy Sports Podcast. We appreciate you listening. Should have one more episode coming your way Friday and then, of course, more next week.